Well, it is good to see everybody on this beautiful Palm Sunday. Hosanna! Save us! Hosanna! That's save us. That's what Hosanna means. Today is the day. Today's the day that we are finishing up our series follow. Wow, yay! Lots of happiness there. If you are new to us or new to this series, you've come in at the tail end of the movie. But have no fear. You can go to intoone.ca, into our sermon archive, the message archive. Yes, you can, and you can watch or you can listen to all of the previous episodes. We started this series. Do you even remember? way back in January. And as we conclude today, I want to start with the ultra-quick refresher montage, okay? So here's what we've said thus far. First, everybody is invited to follow Jesus. Everybody is invited to follow Jesus, no matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done. No, it doesn't matter who you know or who you don't know, how much church you had or how much church you didn't have. It doesn't matter. It's an open invitation. At whatever stage of life you're in, you can begin the process of following Jesus. Second, we said that it's an invitation to relationship. It's not an invitation to church. It's not an invitation to religion. It's not an invitation to things that you should and shouldn't do. It's not an invitation to a list. It really is, and this, this is what sets it apart, okay? It really is an invitation to a personal relationship with an invisible God who revealed Himself through His Son who was a visible person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you hear us talking about pursuing a relationship with Christ or we're here to lead people on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ, we are being brought together into one, we have hope and freedom and the love of Jesus, that really is what we're here to do because that's what the church is. It's so it's, it's relational. Number three or third, we said being a sinner is a prerequisite. Okay, so if you think, well, I can't follow Jesus. You have no idea what I've done. As we've discovered in this series, everybody, everybody, everybody who followed Jesus in the first century, they were all sinners, all of them. And some of them were really notorious kinds of sinners. Tied into that, maybe best of all, having doubts is a prerequisite. Even Jesus, first century followers, the ones that ate with him, walked with him, camped with him, followed him around, saw the miracles, they had doubts right up until the very end. So you can just bring along all your doubts. You can bring your unbelief along, and you can bring it with you as you begin to follow Jesus. Then fourth, if you were to ask the question, well, we're following, but where are we going? If I'm going to follow Jesus, where is He taking us? He's taking us to an overwhelming sense of faith. That over, over, and over, Jesus said to the people following Him, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And the disciples, in one case, they said, well, our boat is sinking, and when you're going to drown, you're supposed to be afraid, okay? It's natural. And Jesus would say, yeah, well, I know that the boat is sinking, 
but why are you afraid? Don't you understand that God knows you? Don't you understand that God cares for you? Do you know that you can face crisis, you can face all kinds of trouble, and you can do so fearlessly? And so he led them, as he wants to lead us, to a confidence in God that allows us to overcome all kinds of circumstances, fearful circumstances, without giving in to fear. That's where Jesus is leading. Fifth, we said that uh, followers of Jesus dress alike. All the Jesus followers dress alike. And we talked about our chick flick PG, right? Chick flick PG. And if you weren't here, sorry, you're going to have to go back and watch that one, okay? Because if you know, you know. Sixth, we discovered that eventually following Jesus is going to cost you something. But you don't need to fear that. Because in the moment when you have to say no to yourself so that in order that you can say yes to Jesus, to follow Jesus, you will discover something wonderful about yourself. And you'll discover something even more wonderful about your heavenly Father. This is when you discover whose you really are. And then last episode, episode seven, followers are great leaders. And by great, Jesus defined for us what it meant to be a great leader. A great leader is somebody that leverages their authority for the sake of the people under their authority. So, that's the whole first seven episodes of the Follow series wrapped up in a tight little ball in just a couple of quick scenes. I hope you're going to go back. I hope you listen to them again to review or, you know, maybe even just for fun. Now, I do all of that uh, to lead us into our final episode. That's today. That's right now where we're going to end today with a really, really important question. And the younger you are, the more important this question is because every single person in their journey to follow Jesus at some point along the way is going to be tempted to hit the unfollow button. And before you unfollow Jesus, you need to ask this one question. We come upon this question in a conversation that Jesus was having with some of His closest followers again. So, let me set up the story for you that you can find. Open up right now the book of John chapter 6, all right? Jesus had just recently fed the 5,000. And so, if you grew up in church or you went to Sunday school, you may have heard about that whole uh, baskets and loaves and the fish. And so, over 5,000 people have participated very physically in a miracle, and they are losing their minds. They want to make Jesus the king. And of course, all of Jesus' closest followers, the apostles, sometimes we call them the 12 disciples, they wanted Jesus to proclaim himself king. Because if you're hanging out with the guy that becomes king, you become a pretty important person yourself. And so instead of uh, allowing Jesus, uh, allowing people to proclaim him the king of the Jews, Jesus hops on a boat and he heads out across the Sea of Galilee to escape the crowd that's following him that wants to make him king. So he ends up in a small town called Capernaum right on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. Some people who participated in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 show up in Capernaum. Word gets out, and they all start crowding into the synagogue. Okay, not all of them, not all 5,000, but hundreds apparently. 
People crowd the synagogue where Jesus is teaching, and they begin to kind of goad Jesus a little bit. They begin to shout out things like, hey, hey, Jesus, do that thing again, right? Do that thing. Hey, watch this. Watch this. you got to see what this guy can do. Jesus, do it again. Do it here. You won't, you're not going to believe this. Jesus, show us a sign. And so they got their phones out, right? And they're grabbing their selfies in the background, trying to get that out, trying to set up for the next viral video. Man takes fish and bread. You won't believe what happens next. Click here. And they start to taunt Jesus and heckle Jesus into doing another miracle. And he recognizes that these are some of the people that were there when he, when he fed them. And so Jesus decides to use this as a creative teaching moment. And just as he fed them literal bread, he begins to use that analogy to say, hey, just like I fed you literal bread, but now you're hungry again, do you know that God will provide something for your soul, for your spirit, for your heart that will fill you up forever? And he begins to compare himself to bread, and he says, I am the bread of life that comes from heaven. And some people in the back of the audience, they yelled, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. No way that you are. We know your daddy, Joseph. We know your mom, Mary. You didn't come from heaven, dude. You came from Nazareth. We know your parents. And all of a sudden, there's a little bit of tension in the crowd, and he says, no, I came from heaven. And they said, oh, no, you didn't. And, and we know that there are some strange stories about your birth, okay? We know that. But we still know your parents, Jesus. You did not come from heaven. We know your parents. We know that you were born a baby, just like the rest of us. And so the tension growing in the crowd. And Jesus continues in his sermon, from our point of view, gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And here's what he says. John chapter 6, verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. At which point, the parents are like cupping their hands over the kids' ears, ushering all the children out of the room. What did he just say? Come on, that's gross. Yeah, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Jesus I don't think that's how you get eternal life, right? That's kind of vampire-like. And he continues, and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 55, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And then he goes on and on, and it's just getting stranger and stranger. And he's saying, just like there's real food, I'm food, and the crowd, they're all murmuring, right? They're all getting unsettled. That's sacrilegious. Now we're just talking about cannibalism. I mean, this stuff's just getting weird. There is not, this, is, this, this is nothing like that fish and bread show that he just put on, right? Because the second album is always a little bit harder. So meanwhile, the apostles, the twelve, they're sitting there watching this and thinking, Okay, Jesus, don't lose the crowd. Don't lose the crowd. Switch it up, okay? Next, next thing, right? Give them the clever stuff that you do. Give them the clever turnaround now. Okay, Jesus, come on. We're just days away from you declaring yourself king. They already want to proclaim you king just a little bit south of here. Don't lose the crowd. Don't lose the momentum. But John tells us this, verse 60. On hearing it, 
The it here is this strange sermon that he's doing. Many of his disciples. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you know the disciples. That's not just the 12 disciples in this general group of people uh, that are following Jesus. There's the apostles, that's the 12, but you've got these other people who went everywhere with him. They, they, they followed him around. They, they, they liked the miracles. They, uh, they want the, the food, you know. They want the excitement. They want the spiritual experience. And so some of these people that have been following around for a while, all of a sudden, they start murmuring. 60, on hearing it, still in the same verse, many of, his, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Or who can embrace it? Who can go along with this? Who wants to be associated with this? Now the crowd kind of turning on Jesus a little bit. And the 12 apostles, they recognize that. We need to do some crowd control. We need to do some spin control here. This is not going the way we want it to go. Now, if you were here last episode, you remember that James and John, two of the ex-fishermen that started following Jesus, they had wanted Jesus to proclaim them as like, you know, his left hand and his right hand guy um, when he becomes king. So they realize if we lose the crowd, they're not going to make him king. And if he's not king, then, then I'm not going to be left, and you're not going to be the right. So things are bad, right? So I would imagine that this is the point where they wanted to stand up, walk out into the middle, kind of put their arm around Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, do you know what? Jesus is going to be right back in just a moment, okay? Matthew, Matthew, why don't you come on out here? Give him some tax collector jokes for a little bit. Jesus, come on over here. We got to chat. Look, buddy. Hey, how you doing, right? You need some water? You're doing great. You are killing it out there. Just great. But look for just a moment, okay, Jesus? You're losing the crowd, okay? What's with this eat my flesh and drink my blood stuff, right? Nobody understands that, right? Look, how about this? How about this? You go back out there, you smile. <laughs> Give them a parable, okay? Nobody understands your parables either, but at least they like listening to them, you know? So people, they get into those kind of stories. How about this one? You remember the dad and the two sons? Oh, do that one. That one is a banger. That one's great. You can tell that one again. Or, or do something on prayer. Oh, prayer is a good thing. We love prayer. What about love? Everybody loves love. Do a love thing. What about that blessed are the peacemakers and the cheesemakers and whatever that one was? We don't know. Just go out there and do something else. But let's quit talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood because we're losing the crowd. And you know if we lose the crowd, you know who's right behind the crowd? It's the Pharisees. And you know they're gutting for you, Jesus. We, we need the crowd because the crowd is the buffer, the buffer between us and the people that want to take you out. So let's get back up there, Jesus. Let's step it up a little bit. Think about our future. No, they didn't do any of that. But that's what I am thinking that they were thinking. And maybe that's what you're thinking. And that's probably shows you what I am thinking. Jesus continues on. Look what happens. Verse 61. 
aware that his disciples, and that's the group that he had been, that's been with him, right? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this trip you up? Does this make you wonder? Does this make you want to wander? Is it too heavy? Is it too hard? Is this too much? And then Jesus tells us, tells us uh, verse 66, from this time, this was the transition point. This was a hinge in Jesus' ministry. From this time, many of his disciples, the crowd that went with him wherever, turned back and unfollowed him. They hit the unfollow button. Not following anymore. Love the miracles, love the healings, love the excitement, love that energy, love the thought that you might proclaim yourself king and that we might get rid of these Romans once and for all. But this, this you came from heaven, you're the bread of life, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Dude, I don't think we can go there, all right? That's just too strange for us. We're done, all right? We are unfollowing Jesus. And the 12 apostles are sitting there listening to Jesus and watching the crowd, listening to Jesus, watching the crowd. And they begin to think, as we discover just a verse or two away, okay, they begin to think, hmm, maybe we should unfollow Jesus as well. Maybe I should stand, you know, like I'm stretching, maybe go uh, uh, take another step back and lean, lean against the column here in the synagogue, maybe, and then maybe kind of step behind the column and disappear, because this is getting weird. And as Jesus goes, I go, and it doesn't look like things are going well for Jesus. That means things might not go well for me. Maybe we should all just disappear back into the crowd together. And then Jesus, who knows the hearts of men, pauses in his sermon, and he turns to the twelve, and he says, verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? You guys aren't thinking about going with the rest of the crowd, are you? You're not going to unfollow me as well. You're not going to be an unfollower are you? Now, the 12 knew this, right? You don't lie to Jesus, okay? And it's not because it's a sin, but because He knows your hearts. I mean, He, he just addressed what, what they were thinking. He knew they were thinking about leaving, right? And besides that, throughout Jesus' ministry, it's so fun. You should read the Gospels here. Follow what's going on. Somebody has a question. They raise their hand, right? And Jesus answers it, still hand in the air. They're saying, I didn't even ask the question yet. I know the hearts of men. People would be murmuring, and the Pharisees would be uh, trying to trick him up to come up with something that they can catch him, and Jesus would address it before they even said it. It just freaked them out, right? And when, when you're sitting in front of Jesus, you don't lie because he knows your heart. So Jesus turns and he, and he says, you're not thinking of leaving too, are you? Now, this is such a relevant thing for you, for me, isn't it? Because regardless of how long you've been following Jesus, the day is going to come. Now you think, oh, no, 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 not me. But the day is going to come when you're going to consider unfollowing. And I'll tell you when those times 
It's going to be during a time of transition from high school to college, from, from middle school, from junior high to high school, from college to that first job, that, that, that job that you took and now you had to move, and now you're in a town and you don't know anybody, and you're in transition, and suddenly you're surrounded by a bunch of people, and you, you came from an environment where, where people took Christianity seriously. You knew them, and now you're in an environment where they don't care. They're not against it. They just, they just don't care. And suddenly you're surrounded by people who don't believe what you believe. It's a time of transition, and you're going to be tempted to unfollow. You're not going to. You know what? And this is important, okay? You're not going to be tempted to unfollow because you don't think it's true. Very few people quit following Jesus because they don't think it's true anymore. It happens, but it is rare. People quit following because it's too hard, because it's inconvenient, because it leaves me feeling isolated, because I'm all alone. And the primary reason they quit following is because it just doesn't seem to matter here. When, when I was living at home, when, when I was with my parents and we all went to church, it, it seemed to matter. It seemed to be important. But now that I'm, I'm over here and there, over there, now it just doesn't seem to matter. It's not just transitions, though. It's relational. Because you know what? He is so cute, but he's not a Christian. And my Christianity is kind of getting in the way you know, get in the way of the relationship, and she is just, oh, so, you know, right? She's just so, and there's so much, so, you know, and she's not a Christian, and all of a sudden, you know that you love her, you love him, and it's like, it's like okay, this Jesus thing, it just keeps getting in the way, and if I keep up with this Jesus thing, and I think she's going to leave. I think that he's leaving, and it's going to cost me to follow Jesus. And, and it's not like I've discovered, aha, the New Testament, this is not a set of reliable historical documents. It has nothing to do with that. It's just too difficult. It's just inconvenient. I, I think I'm going to be an unfollower. Or maybe, maybe you're going through a tough time, and you've prayed and you've prayed, and you've prayed, and God isn't answering your prayer. And, and, and you've always believed, but, but, but now believing doesn't seem to make any difference. It, it's just frustrating because God is quiet, and you thought if you obeyed, then things are supposed to work out, right? And you obeyed, and things aren't working out. And you're thinking, why am I even hanging on to any of this? Why am I still saying these silly prayers? I mean, God isn't faithful to me. Why would I be faithful to God? And you're tempted to unfollow. And it's like Jesus read your mind and your heart. And here you are in church right now, or maybe you're watching online going, how did he know? And Jesus is looking at you and he's going, you're not thinking about leaving too, are you? You're going to have a moment like that, maybe more than one. Some of you have already had them. Some of you right now, 
You can't even believe I'm talking about this because this is your life. And Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew and Bartholomew and Simon and the other Simon and all of them, all of these guys who were this close to Jesus had a moment where it was like, I, I think I'm going to unfollow now because it's too hard, because it's too costly. I'm going to feel too isolated. I could lose my life. And if I continue to follow, I'm at risk. And so there's this pregnant pause. Do you guys want to leave as well? Can you imagine? And who's going to say anything, right? Who's going to answer that question? You're not going to lie, but what do you say? Yeah? And it's in this moment, this dramatic moment, that Peter, who usually says the wrong thing, Peter says a brilliant thing. And he asked a question that, honestly, I just wish I could, I could stick it in your head and, and, and I could tape it to your mind. I could, I could glue it to your soul so deeply so the next time that you're in a transition and, and, and you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't know if I can follow him all the way through this transition. And next time, you're overwhelmed with temptation. It's just too hard to say no. And the next time, things aren't going well, and you're tempted to doubt and say, just forget this whole Jesus thing. If you would just come back to this question, it is the most clarifying question. Here's what Peter said. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You don't want to go too. Well, yeah. I do want to go too, but Jesus, seriously, to whom shall we go? Peter recognized something that most people never see until it's too late. That when you choose not to follow Jesus, you choose to follow something or someone else. So Peter asked the question, if not you, who? If not this, what? If not you, Jesus, then who? And if not this thing, then what? And Peter recognized that if I back away from you, Jesus, I am inadvertently backing into someone or something else. If, if I choose to say no to you, I'm actually saying yes to something or someone else. And so I've just done a quick evaluation. I've considered all the options. And no, Jesus, this isn't comfortable. And yes, Jesus, I do want to go. And no, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. And yes, I wish it wasn't the way that it is. But the truth is, to whom shall I go? Now, this is the issue for you, and it's certainly the issue for me. It's the issue for some of you right in this very moment because it is hard to follow Jesus. It's inconvenient to follow Jesus. There doesn't seem to be a payoff. Nobody's coming up and putting their arm around you saying, you're a Christian? Oh, you're sticking up for what you believe. And I just want you to know how much I respect that. Nobody is doing that. In fact, it's worse. They just ignore it altogether. It just seems to be completely irrelevant. And so there's something in you 
that wants to walk away. And Peter would say, before you walk away, you need to consider the options because when you unfollow Jesus, you are choosing to follow something or someone else. And you need to think about that before you simply walk away. To whom shall we go? But then you listen to to his thought process as he kind of talks things out and he thinks out loud about the things that brought him to this conclusion. So we're still in 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus, nobody else is offering that. Jesus, I remember I I was out there fishing with my dad, with my friends, and you walked up and you invited us into something grand. You invited us into something glorious, and suddenly our lives had more purpose than they had ever had before. Suddenly, it wasn't just being a fisherman. Suddenly, I'd felt like I'd been invited in some ways into the story of God, and I've been invited into history. What am I going to do? Go back and go fishing? Go, go, go back and say, hey, Dad, Mind if I get back into the family business? Because, hey, Jesus, I know, I, I know exactly what that looks like. If I go home, if I reconnect with my family, and if I have a few kids, hopefully I'll live long enough to have a few grandkids, and then I die. That's it. And Jesus, you've given me an opportunity to live for something, and I would rather die for something than live for nothing. I'd rather follow you and die for you rather than just die. You have invited us to something so much bigger than what, we're, than what we're a part of right now. So yeah, this part right now, this part stinks. It isn't what we signed up for. I thought by now you'd be king, Jesus. Believe and follow who? You have the words of eternal life. Now... My friends, this is so relevant for you, and it is so relevant for me. So listen, if you are a Jesus follower, do you realize you've been invited into something so much more grand and glorious than your little personal insignificant life? As a Christian, as a Jesus follower, you have been invited into a grand and glorious narrative that began with creation, was highlighted when Jesus died for the sins of the world, and now you've been given the opportunity to follow the Savior of the world. Who are you going to follow if you're not going to follow Him? What are you going to do if you don't do that? Do you really think that there's anything that is so satisfying in life that you would look back on and say, I'm so glad that I quit following the Savior of the world in order that I could fill in the blank? What what would that be? Listen to what he says next. Verse 69, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. We've seen too much, Jesus. If we leave now, We'd just be back within a week. If we leave now, we're going to be back in a month. If we leave you now, even if we live to be old men, we will wish that we could come back to this moment and choose differently. So why in the world would we choose not to follow you now? To whom shall we go? 
And I love this question because I think for so many of us, this is the question that allows us to avoid a season in our life where we wish we could go back. We wish we could rewind and relive. This is the question that will allow you to avoid unnecessary regret. This is the question that if you would just pause, ask it in the middle of that difficult transition, in in the middle of that tough temptation, those trials that just seem to want to take us out, to ask the question, okay, 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 if not Jesus, who? If not Christianity, what? Before you move, you owe it to yourself to answer yourself that question. If not Jesus, who? If not Christianity, what? Anybody else offering you eternal life? Anybody else offering you a narrative that's bigger than your life? Are you going to be able to connect to anything else that has eternal consequences? So let's say this together, okay? To whom should I, shall I go? Ready? Say it together, all right? To whom shall I go? One more time. To whom shall I go? Even if you're watching all alone at home in your apartment or, or at your house, or maybe you've got some friends there with you, say it together. Everybody, one more. To whom shall I go? That's the question. That's the question. Now, here's the deal. Transition, temptation, and trouble, they always create questions, always. And those questions, that's okay. If you choose to unfollow Jesus because of something that you hear somebody say, wherever it is that they say it, and you don't first consider who you're going to follow or what you're going to sign on to, you're making a foolish, foolish decision. It's always in times of transition and temptation and trouble that we have questioned, where's God now? Why would God have allowed this to happen? Why didn't God come through for me? Why doesn't it seem to matter to everybody else? How come nobody else is suffering any kind of consequence? Does any of it really matter? There are always, always, always questions, and that's absolutely fine, but it is a mistake to step away from Jesus simply because there are questions that you don't have answers to. And this is so important, okay? Please listen. Just because you don't have the answer doesn't mean there's not an answer. It just means that you don't know yet. Hey, Peter, if you stick with Jesus, do you know what's going to happen? Nope, but I don't think it's going to be good. Well, Peter, isn't that a reason enough to walk away? No. Well, Peter, what's going to happen if you continue to follow Jesus and you lose the crowd? What's going to happen? I don't know. Well, Peter, isn't that reason enough to walk away? No. Well, come on, Peter, you don't have an answer to that question. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that there isn't an answer to that question. But it looks like God has abandoned you. But that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. 
but, but it doesn't, it looks like it, it, it doesn't look like it's going to work out for you. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to work out for you. Listen to this, okay? Don't forget this. Wherever there's transition, in every transition, there are questions. During every temptation, there are questions. And during trials, there are always questions. That's fine. Just don't walk away from Jesus simply because you don't have an answer to a question. That's why the question is so important. Because considering the options always brings clarity. It's a clarifying question. Okay, okay, okay. If not Jesus, who? Well, I don't, I don't know. Then don't make a move. Not until you know. If not Christianity, what? Well, I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. Well, then don't make a move until you know what? To whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? To whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And I've seen too much. I've believed. We've come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Salvation is free. It costs you nothing. Following Christ will cost you something. But refusing to follow Christ, that could cost you everything. To whom shall you go? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for preserving this helpful conversation for like 2,000 years. Thank you so much for inspiring Peter to ask that question and then inspiring John to write it down so that we can, after all these years later, that we, we, we can have it come uh, filtering in or crashing into our lives. And Father, I, I want to pray, especially for every uh, junior high school kid that's anticipating that transition into high school, how it's going to be different. And for every high school student that's considering their transition into college or to university or to the workforce. Or for our college students that are transitioning into the work world. And for every family that's transitioning in some way or another, for every man or a woman who, who is uh, transitioning from one job to another, that in these transitions, Father, when it doesn't really seem to make any sense, and there doesn't seem to be any advantages in following you, that, Father, we would have the courage to pause and ask the question, if not Jesus, who? And if not Christianity, what? And that we wouldn't move until we know the answer to that question. And Father, in that pause, in that moment, would you please just make yourself real enough that we would have the courage to say, yes, 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 I will follow you. No turning back. No turning back. And Father, for the men and the women who are listening to this message today, thinking, how did he know? Father, you know and it's a common experience for all of us. Give us the wisdom. Give us the courage, please, to follow, to follow you well and wisely. Amen.